from John. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live. You also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to join with me in prayer. Father, as your, um, as your Son reminds us in the very words that we have heard, your Spirit is with us right now. The Spirit who makes you presence to us, who, who leads us into truth, who convinces us of your love. And so in that awareness, um, in that confidence, we again ask that your Spirit would work that as I speak, that it is not my words that we would hear, but that we would hear your word, that we would hear Jesus. And that it wouldn't just be something that um, 
shapes our mind, but that you would help us to hear you in a way that transforms us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know if you've noticed, but Jesus has a way sometimes of kind of um, signaling that he's about to say something hard to hear, or at least hard to believe. Um, he'll occasionally, and, and this is how our passage begins, say, truly, truly, I say to you. And, and in a sense, I think he's saying, buckle up. This is going to be hard maybe for you to believe, but it is true. And if we just take a step back and think about how he begins our passage, what he says, we will understand why he is preparing us. Listen to, what, again, what we just heard. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, so that's any of us. Any of us who believe in Jesus is who he's talking about right now. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do. Do you hear that? Jesus is saying if you believe in him, you will do greater works works than Jesus. That doesn't just sound difficult to believe. That sounds heretical, right? So it's important, I think, to clarify what Jesus is saying. One of the things he's clearly not saying is that we will do something instead of Jesus. If we just continue to the next couple of verses, it's clear that he says that as we are seeking in Jesus' name, that is, on those who are living on behalf of Jesus, seeking his mission as we ask, Jesus will hear a request and he will do. So it's he who will do these greater works through us is what he's saying. And also, by saying greater works, we're not supposed to understand, like, bigger miracles. Like, you know, somehow we get to feed 6,000 with two loaves and one fish or something like that. That's, that's not the idea here because greater is not, that's not how God measures greater. When Jesus speaks about the work he is doing, he regularly connects it to that he has come to bring life by connecting people to God. So when he is saying that you, if you believe in Jesus, you will do greater works, he is saying that because of something that is about to happen, notice how he says, they will, you know, whoever believes in me will do greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. That because Jesus is going to the Father, something is going to happen. There will be a power that he makes available to us. A power that in even a greater way than when Jesus was on earth will bring life and connect people to the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus says. We talked about this last week. Remember, we talked about, just as he says right here, whoever believes that believing in Jesus, as, as, as simple and as kind of helpless as just that belief is, that that is what, through the work of God, brings us into this new power that is so transformative that we said it is likened to being born, born from above. And Jesus says this life-giving, this God-connecting power will be made available to us when he goes to the Father. And the reason, as we'll see in the coming verses, is that what he is talking about is he's talking about the gift of the Spirit. So just a couple of verses later, I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. What, what emotional reaction do you have when, when you start thinking about or talking about the Holy Spirit? 
How does it feel like when you're confessing the Nicene Creed and you say, I believe in the Holy Spirit? I found for me that there's a sense that when I, if I'm conscious and thinking about it, it is perhaps where my faith feels almost the most vulnerable. I wonder if you know what I mean. Like, and I'm not saying this is right, but I think there's a way that sometimes if I say I believe in God the Father, I can allow it to kind of become almost like more distant. You know, God is in heaven, he's involved in everything, but he, there's, a, there's a way that I can almost disconnect him, not rightly, but that can happen. When we say we believe in Jesus, there's a sense that my mind can kind of leave him more in the past, think about his active ministry on earth. But, but when we talk about I believe in the Holy Spirit, there is no, there's no availability for distance with that. We're talking about God in our lives. When Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, this is not saying I want to say something for shock value. Every time he says that, he's saying, I'm going to tell you something that you might have a hard time, but you need to hear. And I would suggest that if we understand that kind of framing this, that Jesus is telling us something that we need to hear. We need to be gripped by this teaching of the Holy Spirit. Because only as we come to understand what he wants us to know about the Holy Spirit do we come to realize that in the Holy Spirit, Jesus is made presence to us. This, I would suggest, is what lies at the heart. The coming verses, Jesus says a lot, and we can't talk about everything he says in these verses. But what we see at the very heart of when Jesus says, I am going to have the Father give you the Spirit, that the work of the Spirit is him making Jesus presence to us. So, in verse 18, when he is speaking to his his concerned, worried disciples, because he's saying that he's about to go. Notice, he then goes on to say, but I will not leave you as orphans. I'm not going to just leave you alone. I will come to you. Now, what is Jesus saying when he's talking about that? Maybe the first time we hear this, we might say, oh, he's talking about after he dies and rises again, he will come visit them. But that can't be what he's saying, because he's saying, I'm not going to leave you alone. There will be a way where I am with you. And then later on, he speaks about how my Father will love him and we, that is, Jesus and the Father, will come to him and make our home with him. When Jesus is saying, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you, he's speaking about the coming of the Spirit. That as the Spirit is sent to his people, Jesus is present. He dwells with us. That's the work of the Spirit. He makes Jesus presence to us. And he can do this in different ways. Sometimes as we, we consider different Christian testimonies, we see that at times the Spirit can do this in, in fairly dramatic fashion. Um, Blaise Pascal, perhaps you're familiar with the name, was a famous 17th century mathematician. He was also a devout Christian. And um, only after he died was it discovered that he had written a note recording a moment in his life, and he had actually sewn it up in his coat so he could permanently have it with him as kind of this private recollection. And here's what he wrote. The year of grace, 1654, Monday, the 23rd of November, from about half past 10 to half past midnight, fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of the philosophers and of the learned, certitude, certitude, feeling joy, peace, 
God of Jesus Christ, my God and your God, your God will be my God, forgetfulness of the world and of everything except God. He is only found by the ways taught in the gospel, grandeur of the human soul. Righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. Joy, 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 tears of joy. He is speaking of a moment where the Holy Spirit was making Jesus' presence to him. We hear sometimes stories of this happening not just kind of individually, but but collectively, perhaps you were reading in the last few months about this revival taking place in Asbury where people were praying day after day with a sense of God's love and God's presence. And that's one of many times we hear accounts like this. There's, uh, I remember being gripped one time by uh, a letter written in 1908 by missionaries in China who wrote the following. A power has come into the church that we cannot control even if we wanted It's a miracle for stolid, self-righteous men to go out of their way to confess sins that no torture could force from them. Weeping to crave the prayers of their fellow believers is beyond all human explanation. Perhaps you'll say it's a religious hysteria. So did some of us. But here we are, about 60 Scottish and Irish Presbyterians who have seen it, and as much as many of us shrink from it at first... Everyone who has seen and heard what we have is certain that there is only one explanation, that it is God's Holy Spirit manifesting himself. One clause of the creed that lives before us now in all its inevitable, awful solemnity is, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, the danger in sharing these stories is we can start equating the work of the Spirit only with these dramatic moments, but like that cliche of the iceberg where when you see it above water, you realize that what you see is only one fraction of something that goes below surface that's far bigger. When the Spirit does moments like this, these are moments where, as as the testimony said, He is manifesting Himself and pointing out a deeper reality, showing us what is going on again and again throughout lives, often in ordinary but sometimes extraordinary ways where He is making Jesus presence to believers. And by that, I'm not just saying he, he gives us religious feelings. No, making Jesus present to us, Jesus has everything we need. And it is the, by the Spirit that Jesus gives us all that we need. So, so John Calvin uh, wrote uh, very helpfully. He said, as long as we remain outside of Christ and separated from him, Nothing which he suffered and did for the salvation of the human race is of the least benefit to us. To communicate to us the blessings which Jesus received from the Father, he must become ours and dwell in us. It is by the Spirit that we enjoy Christ and all his blessings. The work of the Spirit is to make Jesus and all that he has to give us present to us. Perhaps that that, that idea feels abstract. So let me try to tease this out by considering some of the different things that Jesus tells us about the work of the Spirit as the Spirit makes him present to our lives. First of all, one of the ways the Spirit does this, and this this will just be a few of, of many ways in how the Spirit works, but we're told that the Spirit leads us into understanding the truth 
that Jesus has for us. So perhaps you notice that when Jesus speaks of the Spirit, the first way he speaks of him is he says, he will give you the Spirit of truth. And later on, he will talk about how that the Spirit will, take, will, will show, lead you into the knowledge of all things. That's near the very end of this passage. The Spirit brings us into understanding. Now, when he speaks of truth, we shouldn't just think that like, the Spirit is kind of like this, this one who connects us to a bunch of facts. The truth that Jesus is talking about here is personal. Jesus is the truth. And, and when he says the Spirit will, will teach you all things, he, will, he get, then goes on to say, and will cause you to remember all that I have said to you. Because that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit connects us to the truth that is found in Jesus. So, I think one of the challenges, and one of the, there's, there's a lot of confusion I think we have about the Holy Spirit. And, and one of the ways that I think we can be confused is we can feel like when we hear that the Spirit is the Spirit of truth, that He's the Spirit who just kind of like unlocks all sorts of secrets and mysteries and gives us word about what should happen in the future or, or something that no one else should know. And that's not really the point here. The point is that the Spirit helps us to know Jesus. Jesus is the wisdom of this world, and the Spirit connects us to that wisdom. Jesus is the one who teaches us and shows us the good way, and the Spirit is the one who helps us to understand. Sometimes this understanding is a way of exposing us, where, where something that Jesus has said or who he is suddenly helps us to realize that we are not what we are meant to be. But again and again, what the Spirit does is brings that truth to bear in our life and makes the truth of Jesus real, real to us. Again, to speak of another testimony of this, um, some of you might know who John Wesley is. He, you know, famous preacher, um, part of the Great Awakening in the 18th century. But um, before that, he was a failure. He felt like a failure. He was a minister who felt very uncertain of his faith, not certain in, in any way that he was convinced of God's love for him. There was this time that he just cried out in prayer, help me in my unbelief. And he was, he was thinking about giving up in the ministry. But then he was at this Bible study, and, and he speaks of, of what happened. This one evening, he says, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ. Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. That, that is the work of of the Spirit, making the truth about Jesus real. Probably many of us haven't had quite such a dramatic moment as Wesley speaks of, but if you have walked with Christ for a while, my guess is you kind of at least know what he's talking about. Can't you think of moments where maybe you were reading the Bible on your own or in a Bible study or even on a Sunday morning and something you heard just connected with you, not because the speaker was that effective on its own, but there was something that just kind of this, this resonance and you realize this is real and this is important. That's, that's the work of the Spirit making Jesus present to you, connecting you to the truth that is found in Him. What's more, we also see in this passage that not only does the Spirit work to connect us to the truth that is found in Jesus, but he also connects us to the love that is found in Jesus. 
Jesus, somewhat confusingly probably, says that whoever has my commandments, in verse 23, uh, and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. Which, at first, might sound like Jesus is saying, once you love me, then we'll start loving you. We know, though, that can't be what he's talking about, because we've already heard that God loved the world before we ever loved him, that Jesus has given himself before we ever did. What he is saying here is that there will come to be this experience where we will come to recognize that we are loved by the Father. Later on, he will use similar language and talk about the Father and Jesus coming to dwell with us. And what he is saying is we will be brought into an experience of belonging to the family of God where we know that we are loved. Paul speaks of this. He he says that, Uh, God pours out his love for us by the Spirit so that as, as we are experiencing the reality of the Spirit, we learn to be able to say to God, Abba, Father, and know that we can call him Father and that he loves us. You know, psychologists will so regularly speak of the importance, uh, the necessity for emotional health of, of growing up in a context where we know we are loved by our parents. Think of how much greater it is, the importance of knowing that we are loved by our God. And that's one of the works of the Spirit. He is speaking to you and to me who are believers, speaking to our hearts and saying, you are loved. God is your Father. And and in this connection to the love of God found in Jesus, it is not just that we learn that we are loved. We, We learn to love. One of the fruit of the Spirit is love, that we begin to learn to love others in the world as Jesus has loved us. And I wonder if you're trying to kind of connect this with your experience, if right now you're saying, now you've lost me. Like, I think I kind of understood what you meant about the Spirit kind of connecting me to truth, but when I look at my life, I do not see me loving as Jesus loves. But I want to suggest to you that perhaps that very sense is a sign of something different from what you're thinking. See, selflessness is effortless. Sorry, selfishness is effortless. (laughs) Just, we can erase that from what I said. Selfishness is, but you understand what I'm saying. Selfishness, we can just kind of live into that wholeheartedly. But the moment that Jesus begins his work in us, the moment that the Spirit takes root in us, something different happens. There is a new life. There is a new love. And in that moment, the battle begins. Paul in Galatians writes that the spirit and the flesh are opposed to each other so that as we are experiencing this battle, we find ourselves not doing what we want. The very experience of of feeling like you are not loving as you long to, the very sense that there's something going on where you feel broken by it, that is the work of the Spirit enabling you to battle and moving you towards love, whether it feels like it or not. That's the work of the Spirit, making Jesus' presence to you as he connects you to his love. And thirdly, we see in our passage that that Jesus is made present to us by the Holy Spirit as we experience his peace. So near the very end, he says, peace I leave with you, in verse 27. My peace I give to you, and then he says, 
not as the world gives do I give to you. The, the world in John is not just talking about earth. It's talking about kind of the human project of trying to live apart from God. And Jesus is saying, the world, we know how the world gives. The world promises much, but it delivers little. And whatever it gives is temporary. But when I say I am giving you my peace, that is different. Because my peace is found in the security of knowing that I am loved by the Father, and I am sharing that with you, and it is real. And more than that, it is not just real, but it is lasting. One of the most remarkable statements here is one that it's so easy to overlook that I'll just point us to it again in verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Jesus is saying, I will be present with you by the Spirit, and I will never, ever leave you. Nothing will be able to separate you from my love. Not height or depth, not angels nor demons. Nothing will stand in the way. The Spirit will be with you forever. Which is tremendously important to hear because I think tragically, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, oftentimes the Holy Spirit can create a very, not the Holy Spirit himself, but our misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit can create an unsettledness I remember when I was in high school and I was encountering kind of different understandings, different teachings of the Holy Spirit, I had this fear that maybe I was missing out. You know, this sense that I was supposed to maybe do something, and if I didn't do something right, I wouldn't experience the fullness of the Spirit, that I was supposed to maybe have some dramatic experiences. And not only that, but unless I did things right, the Spirit could get offended and leave me. I needed to make sure that I was being led by the Spirit, that I wasn't closing myself to the Spirit, as if the Spirit was horribly sensitive and ready to leave in a moment's notice. And, and do you notice Jesus says something very different? When I'm giving you my Spirit, I'm giving you my peace. I'm giving you my security. If you believe in Jesus, you have his spirit. And if you have his spirit, he will never, ever leave you. Jesus is present with you. And when we hear that, we receive his peace. Do you, do you understand why Jesus is, is, is communicating this to us, even if it might be hard for us to understand? Something has happened, Jesus is saying to us. Something has happened. When I went to the Father and you believed, something has happened. Whether you realize it or not, my spirit has come to you. There is a power at work in you so that all that is mine becomes yours so that I am present with you. And, and if we can begin to take this in, what might that do to us? Next week, we'll begin to think a little bit even more about what does it look like to live in this reality of being someone who is joined to Jesus so that he is forever present with us. We will be thinking about what Jesus means when he talks about how we should abide in him even as he abides in us. But this morning, let me just kind of begin thinking about that by saying, 
I believe that one of the key marks of, of us taking this in and beginning to understand this reality of the Spirit and living this out is that we will find growing within us a Christ-reliant courage. So when I was in college many years ago, um, I was in a student leadership position that gave me this opportunity to actually attend this kind of ministry leadership con uh, conference in Amsterdam, which was really cool. Um, but I will tell you that if it was just me kind of traveling, I wouldn't have done it because I had never done anything like that. I didn't know how to navigate the complexities of international travel, and I was kind of risk-averse even then. But um, I was super confident because I had Dennis Massaro. So Dennis, um, you, probably most of you don't know who Dennis is. Dennis at that time was a student uh, missions and ministry director. So he coordinated all sorts of student ministry trips throughout the world, probably hundreds upon them. He, if there is a town that has created an airport, Dennis probably was in it at one point or another. And he also had this ability to kind of talk anyone into almost anything. I, I mean, he was like the Michael Jordan of penetrating airline bureaucracy. And he was coming with this group. And so I knew, you know, as long, I mean, I, if I was disconnected from Dennis, I would be hopeless, I'd be a mess. But as long as I was near him, I knew that if I was worried about something, I could always ask him and he could take care of it. And meanwhile, if he told me what I needed to do in the moment, I, I would do it because it would be what I would be needing in that moment. I remember there's this one time we were coming back from Amsterdam and there was some sort of major hiccup. We were in Heathrow Airport, London, and, and there's a delay. And me and my group, even though we had no idea what was going on, none of us stressed out because Dennis was right there talking with the airline and we knew he would figure out a way. We could be courageous, we could be confident in doing something difficult because Dennis was present with us. Do you realize what it means that Jesus is present with you? Jesus, the Son of God who has existed from all eternity, through whom all things were made, the one who has given himself for you, he is with you and will never leave you. He has told you that if you have any concerns, you need only ask. When we are feeling confused, we need only listen. His words give us life. Because of the Spirit, He gives us the truth that we need to navigate this life. Because of the Spirit, He teaches us how to love. Because of the Spirit, He gives us peace. Do you realize what it means that Jesus is with you right now, in this moment, right here? I mean, if we, if we can start taking that in, we won't suddenly become super cocky because that's not about us, but we will have a certain kind of courage. It seems to me that sometimes when we see things in our life that we want to change, it's hard for us to even begin to try to change because we feel so sure we're going to fail. But we don't need to be like that because Jesus is present with us. As parents, as we are trying to help our kids grow and we're thinking about things we can do, maybe we're wanting to do family devotions, but we just feel hopeless about it, we don't need to be afraid. We can have courage because Jesus is present with us. When we think about friends and, and, and neighbors who don't know Christ, we feel so inadequate and so powerless to try to help them to see what we have come to know in Christ, but we don't have to have power we have Jesus 
presence with us. And in fact, if you think about it, we can see now, looking in 2,000 years of history, that Jesus, what He said, was true. Through the work He has done in thousands and millions and billions of peoples, He has brought life again and again and again throughout the world. He has done greater works through people like you and me because Jesus is present with us. You know, as I think about um, people in my life that I consider to have kind of exemplified Christian maturity, there's a wide range. Some people are super outgoing. Some people are super quiet. Some people are much more kind of assertive. I mean, like there's all sorts of things that can look like Christian maturity, but I feel like there's one thing that I see again and again that is the sign of the work of God in people's lives, and that is a humble confidence. A humility realizing that on our own we are not able to do it, but yet a joyful confidence knowing that we don't need to because God is here by His Spirit. And I believe that comes by receiving what Jesus is saying in these words, in these verses, that He is given His Spirit and that He is present And I'd like us this morning to do what we do every week as a, in some ways, a discipline to to teach us to receive this. Whenever we confess our sins, we are acknowledging that we cannot do this. We are acknowledging our failure. But it is not just for that. It is a chance for us to then hear the good news of the gospel, to remember once again that Jesus is with us so that reality might be imprinted on our souls. And so I invite you now to spend a couple of minutes in quiet confession as we also prepare to hear the good news of the gospel that lies on the other side. Would you please join with me in, in silent prayer?